it's another new episode of Crushed, or welcome if this is your very first one. It might be. Uh, My advice would be don't binge listen too much because when I do that with my favourite podcasts, I end up feeling a bit irritated with the people's voices. And to be fair, it's my fault for listening to them all in a row. That's not how they were recorded. That's not how they're intended to be listened to. At the same time, I'm very flattered if you are binging them, even if that is because you're just in in prison where it's being piped in or whatever. Um, You're about to listen to an episode featuring the amazing Helen Zaltzman, who I'm just in awe of. She's like a podcasting OG. Uh, She used to do Answer Me This and she now does The Allusionist, The Allusionist, uh, which I really recommend. You just listen to them and think, yeah, that's somebody who really knows what they're doing. Um, They're always clever and insightful. So highly, highly recommend them. Um, I would also like to say we talk about the film Passengers. And I just wanted to say that we didn't really talk about what was what it was about. If you haven't seen it, it's a a film where a man wakes up a woman way, way earlier than he should in this sort of sci-fi fantasy um, just because he's bored and lonely and um, fancies her. And it's it's really weird that that's held up as a romantic thing. Uh, It comes in a bit of the discussion where Helen and I talk about how manipulative a lot of romantic stories are and how weird that is um anyway you'll see when when you when you listen to it uh do get in touch to tell me if you think i'm wrong and it's not an ode to manipulation but a gorgeous film about a handsome man see you at the end of the episode and welcome to Crushed by Margaret Cable-Smith, a podcast about the drama and karma of unrequited love. My guest today is the brilliant broadcaster and self-styled wizard of pods, <laughs> Helen Zaltzman. Hello, did Hi. I self-style myself that? <laughs> yes, I, I've okay. literally heard you say it this morning, you can't deny it. I mean, maybe someone gave you it to read out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're, they're holding a brick to my head. <laughs> like, I'll do it. Um, now, Helen, you strike me. I mean, you're a very clever person. Mm. Uh, you strike me as deeply sensible. Oh, Have you ever lost your mind <laughs> over a crush? Oh, my God. Almost certainly. I, I feel like the sensibleness is a very thin veneer <laughs> over a, a vortex of... Uh, inappropriate emotions that I don't want to have and yet there they are I think my family discouraged the having of or acknowledgement of emotions so I definitely have that where it's like don't have them if you have them it's best to stay far away and yet you can't not right you can't not and then especially with crushes it's just all all emotion because there's no reality there but it has to come out that's what I think it does and I think for me they are it would be great if I could just keep them fully untarnished by reality because then it's just like watching a film that you star in right but only in your mind yes perfect that's not what I get though I I was reflecting on my life of crushes and I remember thinking when I was a child because that's like prime crush era although I don't think it ever goes away but when you're expected to have them I was thinking, I can't debase somebody with my disgusting affection because I'm so disgusting. (laughs) 
<laughs> at what age were you thinking? I think that? like naught till now. <laughs> That having feelings about someone is debasing. It would be awful for them. <laughs> Isn't that or, sad? It's really sad. And I, I think really relatable I as just well. couldn't even allow myself a fantasy without it being tarnished by the fact that I had cultivated such self-loathing or it had been kind of thrust upon me from, from as early as I can remember. Yeah. Although, I do remember um, that... Uh, my first celebrity crush, am I jumping the gun here? No, 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 let's let's get in um, there. Was Inspector Morse. Oh, okay. So how old? When was Inspector Morse on? I reckon I was probably like nine, ten. Okay, yeah. Um, And I think A, snowy white hair, I still love that. (laughs) B, emotionally unavailable. No (laughs) danger of commitment with Inspector Morse because none of his relationships last more than an episode either because they're murdered or because he uh, ruins it. Um... (laughs) Actually, maybe there's one with a pathologist or something that's a couple of episodes. But he strings it out. Doesn't actually touch them, though, yeah. possibly. And then I was reflecting on it, because I have, I have re-watched Inspector Morse uh, a couple of years ago during lockdown, and I did and not feel the no same. No stirrings? No, I, I thought it's good. I've recognised that I've grown, because I think a lot of the appeal of him then was the emotional unavailability and the dysfunction. The man is an alcoholic. Mm-hmm. He um, really has dysfunctional relationships with... Uh, friends and colleagues he does have this beautiful bond with uh, sergeant lewis yeah but it's almost like he can't acknowledge that that is the one kind of healthy human interaction that he has or healthy-ish just because lewis is quite emotionally healthy um and i thought oh good i don't i'm not (laughs) i'm not drawn to that level of chaos and dysfunction at uh, in in middle age oh wow this is um redemption story oh, <laughs> already yeah yeah and and it's and I, also my husband is very different to any crushes I had because I think growing up I thought that people were automatically more interesting and more appealing if they didn't talk very much and actually it's just they're socially awkward yes yes I realized this a while ago with a friend who said no it's just that we can't think of anything to say yeah yeah, it it's took a good me a long time to work that out. It's a good shtick, isn't it? It's yeah. just an extremely minimal way of Mr. seeming Darcy, more attractive than you are. Yeah, right, standing Mr. Darcy. Out, yeah, in the corner of a party looking cold. I, I find very relatable because I find parties difficult. <laughs> but if someone came up to chat, I wouldn't be rude like he is. <laughs> <laughs> but you were that you found that attractive? Actually, yes, it, I'm often drawn to emotionally withholding matriarch figures in TV like uh, Lucille Bluth, Emily Gilmore, not in a kind of crushing on them, but just in a kind of, I don't know, ex- when someone is that withholding, there's something in me that wants to crack through that or something, <laughs> or have some kind of table tennis, emotional table tennis with them. What is it? My mum's not like that. My mum's not emotionally withholding. My dad did. My dad was. Oh, there Maybe you go. Like, oh, God, it's the daddy issues. Oh, <laughs> no. Not well, today. <laughs> but you think that you want to break through it rather than you want to be it. I, I think when I was young, I assumed that would be how I ended up. And I think because I got together with someone like my husband, who's very different to anyone in my family, it actually took me on a different path. <laughs> yeah thank god that but, seems lucky yeah oh, yeah that's interesting you were saying about the the table tennis thing because I think wisecracking was mm. something that I was 
incredibly drawn to, like that kind of, um, you know, Hildy Johnson relationship, yes. which, you know, I like to think of as not cold or whatever, but of course it is, because you're not talking about anything real. It's yeah. just smart-ass right. comments. It's, it's like a fencing match, but verbal. But do you have that? You, you're married to a funny person. Do you have a lot of repartee? Oh yes, I've just realised. Well, in fact, yeah, he doesn't like me watching Mrs. Maisel. Because I get so quippy afterwards. <laughs> she is irritating, though. Oh, we, we've dipped out yeah, of the sorry, most recent sorry. series. It's like, why are you always bring me briskets, Margaret? <laughs> um, but no, so I do, I do really enjoy that. But it, I suppose it, it lasts... I mean, I, I feel like I need that. During lockdown, mm. I kept thinking, God, there are people who are living with unfunny people. Ew. And that must be really, really awful. That does sound upsetting yeah i do know a few people where humor just isn't a currency for them i don't need people to be funny but you want them to appreciate oh yeah humor. yeah you want them to at least find you funny <laughs> yeah or, or just find joy Stuff in funny. things yeah. yes exactly be be lightly amused by things in the world that are available for that yeah. but, but i remember growing up as well just like i wasn't into boy bands i'm just i was mm. just thinking the crush objects that were arranged for my supposed delectation yep. as someone oh, born God. in 1980. Boy bands, indie boys of the 90s. I felt like all of those were just... I found the confidence off-putting or the or the fact that it just seemed so um, deliberate. Like, yes. this is what you get. Way too obvious. Way too obvious, exactly. Too mainstream. Not like Inspector Morse. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that is an unusual choice though is it is it yeah it's got to be more of us out here but i think at the time there was also a lot of um stand-up appearing on telly so comedians were attractive until you meet any of them and then you're like oh god absolutely not oh it's the worst thing about being in comedy for sure yeah (laughs) finding out the reality yes it's absolutely crushing um but um at the time you're like oh funny but i don't like people being socially funny where they're like jokes 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 i feel like there's a sort of well of need that is not being answered when someone behaves that way yeah yeah yeah. that's the ping pong ball not being returned yes and it's being fired out of a ping pong ball machine way too fast you know like ball after ball after ball it's funny though the the stand-up thing because i had very much yeah big crushes on stand-ups and i think that so they were funny which was you know always number one for me but actually a lot of stand-up good stand-up anyway can be quite revealing and Mm. quite sort of exposing and vulnerable and you feel like you're getting to know them yes because again people's damage you're like i can fix that (laughs) whereas actually they're saying this is what you would have to deal with (laughs) yeah 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 can you tolerate it (laughs) that and sleeping with all of uh, these other women (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah that was just being a dysfunctional boy man uh, (laughs) right into the 40s 50s and beyond um so was there any boy band indie boys that you did make an exception for I'm thinking of particularly <laughs> beautiful ones I suppose yeah I'm trying to think now I, I I think actually I struggled to remember so much about my about any point in my past actually really yeah isn't that weird probably because it's a long time ago now <laughs> but um yeah it, it's like my brain space is shrinking and I have to evict memories <laughs> <laughs> yeah no and the boy bands are sort of a waste of space I would pick one just out of you know because that's what the posters were that's what people were talking about so I'd be like yes all right Nathan I suppose (laughs) (laughs) yeah I remember my my best friend when I was uh, 10 ish Mark Owen was her bias yeah 
And she's like, we're going to go on honeymoon to Tenerife. And I, I didn't even know what Tenerife was. But I thought, well, she's developed quite the plan for them. Yeah. So did you not have that? No, I didn't. No plans? No plans, because I didn't want somebody to be involuntarily inveigled purely in my mind. But still, it just didn't feel reciprocal enough. Okay, so the crushes you had, you weren't making, you know, marriage plans or even... What, sexual plans for them? No. <laughs> Making sexual plans is a very odd phrase. Yeah, I, I get what you mean. No, not, not with real people. Okay. Um, but it's different, like, when you... It's sort of like reading a novel, but one that exists only in, in your own head. That was viable. But it still felt like, oh, you have to dupe somebody into this situation, which is horrible. Why do you just assume that no one would be willing? I remember um, I was on a school trip when I was 14, and a couple of my friends of mine had, had met some men and they they were like, we better have sex with them because we may not get this opportunity again. <laughs> and it's funny now to on think... On the school trip. On the school trip. And it's funny now they thought this is the only opportunity we will have in our lives to have sex with men. Why did we... Why were we fed that? I mean, we were also sort of fed uh, the idea that men just want, just want to have sex yes. with you. But also our only value is in the sexual interest of heterosexual men. Sure. It's good to get away from that, but I wish that we had been able to get away from that in our formative years. <laughs> yes. Um, and so did they have... I mean, they I... They did. They did. They, they had sex. So listen, tell yeah. me about this school trip. I'm yeah. assuming it wasn't like a day trip to a zoo. No, it was a, a few days to Pompeii. Ooh. Yeah. Okay, so that is quite hot and exciting. Uh, it's, there's dramatic. a volcano there that is yeah. hot and dramatic. <laughs> nothing, nothing yeah, more. Smells of sulfur. <laughs> Everyone's most sexy smell. Actually, I formed a crush on someone on the trip. Oh, God. Yeah. So I was just under 14 and he had just turned 15. And actually later, we had like a three and a half year relationship. That was a couple of years later. It was wow. a long, slow journey. That's how I roll. And <laughs> Long and, and slow. And I think it was, we were getting the train somewhere and it was just us. And I can't remember why everyone else wasn't there. And he like had his arm up to strap hang. And I saw his armpit hair and I was like, whoa, armpit hair on a someone I know wow <laughs> and um so I think that was the start of it although he, he was funny and and strange enough and also quiet which at the time I was still making that mistake and later yeah. I think when I was going out with him my family were like that guy's boring <laughs> <laughs> making a mistake no boring head not quiet boring yeah. he might have been depressed to be fair also <laughs> and my family were harsh I mean depression is boring let's not it's, beat around the bush yeah I mean I became depressed when I was with him and I became God. undepressed when he went to university at the farm of England um, oh my but, god yeah um but uh yeah and then um it was god why is well, it's so slow it's so slow but um I remember like over a year later everyone was hanging out at my house because my house was one where you could hang out my parents didn't mind they were pretty liberal with booze which I was never interested in but one of my friends got really drunk and the guy I had a crush on night were about to kiss my friend who was drunk threw up in a jigsaw box <laughs> And uh, we had to throw the jigsaw box away. So. I was going to say, do you remember anything about the jigsaw? I what was the picture? I think it was some kind of landscape. Oh, that's so sad. Yeah. I once was... um, threw up on the pages of a book I was reading <gasps> no! on a flight. Oh, and no. I was so desperate to read it that I did clean it off and okay. carry on. W- was the book worth it? Yeah, it was uh, It was a Judy Bloom. I remember oh. that. So, oh, do you remember yeah. which one? Mm, I'm thinking Tiger Eyes, which is the saddest, maybe. It's saddest, but it really holds up. I reread it a couple of years ago. Oh, did you? It was really good. Did you have you reread Forever as an adult? No, I haven't. And I was listen. I was a 
Catholic teenager. I was mm. I was fairly traumatized when I read it. In fact, I did read the whole thing, um, but I were you know I reread those passages yes. uh, uh, over and over again. Yes. And, I mean, it's not actually a bad way of um, trying to get into the whole. This is what sex is supposed to be no. like. There's definitely worse worse ways, but yeah. the, the naming of the penis was troubling bad also yeah. because it's judy bloom's father's name oh no i'm really sorry oh no that's what? a fact that i ruin a lot of lives with her father was called ralph i'm so sorry wow yes wow why why judy why she's still alive we should she, ask her she's on twitter she follows me on twitter okay so, look, you i'm need too to, afraid to ask because i will please get slide into her dms <laughs> before it's too late and then i'll just live with regret forever but I, I remember reading that book, I think I was nine. I used to have sleepovers at my friend Leave's house and she had books I wasn't allowed. Mm-hmm. And I was a bad sleeper. So in the night I would go and read them by the light of the bathroom. And <laughs> so I read forever and I was like, oh, that's also oh, that's how it, it works. Because that was not conversations I had with my parents. No. Mm-mm, God, <laughs> I would die. Um, <laughs> but I wonder, I wonder how, how are the teens getting this information now? Are people still reading that book? Book. Oh God, I'm gonna have to ask my daughter, and I really yeah. don't want she's to. She's prime age for. I know she's she's literally blues. 14. Yeah, she'll be. Yeah, she watches a lot of John Oliver. I don't know if um, that's not a it's sex not gonna, education. No, it's not. Is it? It's not. It's not going to stand up. <laughs> Educational in many other ways. Probably probably healthy in the long term. Um, okay, so you were learning about sex in the bathrooms of sleepovers. Yes, from from Forever by Judy Bloom, and also from friends' copies of Just Seventeen and More magazine. Yes, which I yeah, which I very much very useful as well. Inhaled. Yeah. Although I always think I, I know it's it's a bit of a cliche, but More used to have position of the fortnight. Yes. And uh, the idea that, I mean, I was so far away from even yeah. even playing Twister in those, you know, even with my clothes on, <laughs> getting right. into those positions. Yeah. Uh, my dad had some, uh, he had this book which had photos of tantric sex in it. Photos? And photos, that black and white photos of a couple <laughs> in the 70s. So look, they looked exactly the same as each other. <laughs> <laughs> and uh so that's how you're learning about sex yes it doesn't seem like the most uh joined up way to learn about it but it went okay at least there was a lot at the time about um condoms in more magazine and Just yes 17. yeah 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 even as even at my convent school it was very much like put one on for jesus <laughs> yeah. so you've talked a bit about the celebrities mm. the cold withholding elderly celebrities you liked um (laughs) in terms of reality apart Mm. from the armpit armpit guy guy. so he was on the trip with you he wasn't a pompeian no he was on the trip with me and um then he started this seems stupid that i only just realized he started calling me on landline because that was yeah what happened in 1994 um for these extremely long conversations so in retrospect i'm like oh he probably Felt the same. It just took us two years to actually get together. That's so sweet. Sweet, but it's also just incredibly pathetic, isn't it? <laughs> I mean, that could be the subtitle of this podcast, yeah. to be honest. Yeah, but when we finally did get together at a friend's birthday party, it just felt like I must have uh, just 
destroyed whatever part of his brain was still capable of putting on resistance. I don't know. It exhausted him to the point where he would then go in a three, three and a half year relationship with me. Did I you mean, really think that you'd distorted I, his brain? Like you tricked him somehow? I think just somehow. the models of romance seem to involve so much deception at the time. And that's a, a trope I hate now in in novels or in films where people fake date for some effect and then inevitably at least one of them falls in love with the other one. Yeah. What a horrible trope. What a horrible thing. And what that, there's that horrible um, film, which I haven't seen, where Chris Pratt wakes Jennifer Lawrence up. Yeah. I haven't seen that either. It sounds so disturbing. The idea that that's meant to be romantic is right. hideous. Right. I remember Overboard. I loved Overboard yes, at the time. Yes, I loved Overboard. That was the first film I saw on a plane. And, uh, yeah, and your brain is a bit, yeah, you know, mushy. Special. <laughs> special. On but plane. we got a question once to my podcast answer me this, which was about what are the crimes committed in Overboard? And it is so many. <laughs> And the fact that that was like, oh, fun, sexy fun, frothy, sexy, frothy fun, rather than incredibly sinister yeah. horror story. And and also then when they do get together and have sex, that is rape by deception. That's a sexual crime. Yeah. There's, <sighs> and there's a lot of it about in frothy, sexy fun. Right? And that was what my brain was being modeled on. <laughs> yeah, that's so sweet. So you, you saw your... <laughs> sort of extending the hand of friendship and long phone calls as being essentially... <laughs> yeah, some, there's got to be some kind of... Coercive crit. deception. Right, even though was, uh, we were both just existing uh, as f- friends and more. But um, maybe it's because my parents never exhibited affection to each other. So mm-hmm. I didn't really have a model of how do affectionate relationships work? What do they look like? <laughs> does it always start with a jigsaw being vomited into... <laughs> <laughs> yes, it actually does. <laughs> Oh my god, that would be such an amazing fetish to discover. Oh, yes, yeah, so, sorry. Uh, uh, like after your first date on Tinder or something, I've just got to go and do something over here. Don't, don't look, don't listen. Or listen, just go outside yeah. actually for a few minutes. <laughs> and, uh, do you have a bin back? After the jigsaw vomit, mm. um, did you? How long before you actually kissed? Did you manage oh, to kiss that year, night? Nearly. Oh no. no! Yeah, I mean, oh that, my that really, god, that's horrendous. It kills the mood. Someone uh, puking in a jigsaw yeah. box. So, yeah, we did not kiss that night. But then also it's like, okay, well, uh, I guess we're not going to do that for a year. Well, and why do you think it took a year? Was it both of you? Like, do you think that he thought he was tricking you as well? I don't know. We never talked about that. No, I wouldn't have thought he would because I don't know if he was consuming as unhealthy media as that. And also maybe yeah. he thought he was being very assertive with his feelings. But if he was being that assertive with... I mean, he it's didn't... Just... To be fair, he hadn't managed to tell you that he liked you because... Oh. You liked you liked him from the armpit reveal. Yeah. 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 So he was you have to give him some blame here as well. For having armpits, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but weirdly it's not the first time the armpit hair has, has come no. up. It's a kind of there's something incredibly um, taboo about it. Right. It's not the fact of armpit hair. Which no. I it's not like I'm looking for it in people or that I find it especially interesting or stimulating. I think it just feels like a private thing that you're not supposed to see. Yeah. And yeah. so that was it. And and I think you get that in different ways as well. Like sometimes when I've I've been collaborating with someone in, in a sort of artistic sense or something, and you get this feeling of a, a secret between you that the world doesn't share. And that f- feels to me like it shares similar emotional space to some crushing. Yes. But you don't want it to go into that space because then it becomes awkward rather than just this collaborative thing. Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, there's a really interesting thing about collaboration and um, creativity Mm -hmm. and 
uh, I was thinking this about my my friends who've been in comedy groups and and bands. Um, the split people who don't do that are like, well, it's not like you're breaking up with a partner, and it's oh, like, no. oh no, it's exactly yeah. like that, or even worse. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think friendship breakups have been more painful than romantic breakups. I've gone through. Yeah, but also, yeah, when you're a work partnership, a creative partnership is very difficult to maintain, and I, I think. I know some people who've had couples therapy for that. Yeah. But it is difficult to keep that spark and have a business relationship or just this. I mean, very, Anton Deck, like, look at them. How do they do it? What's their secret? Yes. Like, special edition of Crush Today. How do you keep it fresh after 30 years <laughs> being Anton They Dick? live next door to each other, I think, oh don't gosh. they? It's like a sitcom, isn't it? Yeah. What's going to happen? Do they have a, do they have a suicide a plan pact? For, oh, they must do. They must. Don't worry about that. I do. Um, what happens if... There's just one of them. I when know. They're, when they're symbiotes. Yeah, no, Ernie Wise post Eric Morgan's yeah. one of the most tragic images there is. Yeah. Um, let's get back to our armpit hair. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> it all comes back But you're to right. That. I think it's really interesting, this um, li- a little secret that you, that you have yeah. between you. But if I'd seen his full naked body, it wouldn't have been the same. No, for a couple of reasons, particularly <laughs> yeah. on a train. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Look, a lot of weird stuff happens on public transport. Yeah. Um, yes, that is interesting, isn't it? That you don't want to see... Um, it's, it's not suggestive. It's too It's too much. It's and too it, exposing, right. yeah. And it's like you don't want your crushes, I think, to be too related to reality because then you have to start to think about logistics and things and like, oh, what's going to break us up or whatever. Yeah, it, yeah, all the admin of it. The admin, right. Whereas you just want the fizzy bit at the beginning and... It remains there in this impossible suspension, the way that real life never can. Yeah, mm. like I don't know. So the three, so you, right? There was armpit, and then there was a year. <laughs> how long before jigsaw? Okay, a year till jigsaw, <laughs> and then and I had like another sort of dalliance or two on the go, but mm-hmm. they were with people that I found very obvious. So it was just easy to conduct those because I also didn't really care. Wow. Yeah, okay. Just like this is simple because I. I think I've always been quite good at keeping people that I just want to have flings with. I'm like, I choose people that I would never want anything more than a fling with. Like, I like them and I find them interesting and that's very compartmentalised to any kind of sexual or romantic feelings. Whereas people I, <laughs> people that I have long-term relationships with, there's this like extremely awkward, very lengthy failure to just get it, yeah, to just get it done. <laughs> Like, um, with my husband, it was like a couple of months of that sort of tedious courtship, but my friends were like, this is like watching paint dry, oh God. But they didn't know about like the two years with the other, <laughs> the other guy before. Oh my God. Okay. So you didn't have crushes on people, on the people you were having flings. With. And what's, so tell me what the difference is. I think it felt like I was not vulnerable, I suppose. Right. That you wouldn't. That's much safer, isn't it? Yeah. But presumably, I don't know about you, but as soon as I'm involved in something, I'm then vulnerable like I might right. start it because I'm like hey, I'm not really you know bothered and then I get to know them and go oh, no I am a oh, bit no. bothered now. that's why you've got to choose people with fundamental flaws <laughs> <laughs> boring people well no no oh, boring no because the no. boring person yeah they get into your okay. mind yeah yeah it was it was yeah <laughs> I'm not saying don't be like me <laughs> and also it's over 20 years since the last yeah, thing because sure. I've been in in a long-term relationship yeah. since then flinglessly yeah but do you still get crushes now yeah and often it is 
if it's real people that I know, it is often based more on um, some kind of friendship or, or work. That it's like a romantic friendship almost. And if it's if it's famous people, it's it's often like you've said on the show before. It's it's not so much wanting to be with them. It's wanting what they have or just appreciating it. And sometimes it's famous couples and it's not wanting to be the third in their relationship. No. <laughs> it's just sort of appreciating the fact that there is this beautiful real thing between them. Although it does feel fraught that if you mention that, then you'd be like, oh, next week they're going to be outed as an abuser or, or, some, yeah. or yeah, yeah. like a terrible bigot. But um, I remember um, watching one of the Architectural Digest house tours. It was David Diggs uh, from the original cast oh, of Hamilton and yes. Emmy Raver Lapin. So these two very hot, very talented <laughs> people. They also have a very beautiful house that seems like they decorated it themselves rather than just got someone else's yeah. taste applied to it. But the, the real kicker was that when she goes to bed, he will have this slight little cookie feast on the floor of their bedroom and then fall asleep covered in cookie crumbs. <laughs> that's amazing. That's what, that's what you want from hot people who seem kind of unreal, right? <laughs> You're right. It's the weird little details that are not shit. necessarily, you know, that's yeah. not satin sheets or rose petals oh, no. or whatever. It's, There's something really yeah, a bit grim about it. It's really grim. The other thing I like is when people have an unexpected skill. Oh my God, so hot. Absolutely. Like everyone loves the fact that Nick Hoffman can make a canoe. Yeah. I love the fact that Megan the Stallion has a degree in health administration. <laughs> like, good, good for you. I'll, I'll, if you need anyone killed, I'll do it. <laughs> yes. And she only finished it recently because she was too busy being... Megan Thee Stallion. Being Megan Thee Stallion, but she still finished this degree, which seems like a difficult degree. Oh my God, that's right? so hot. It's so hot. Yeah. Um, and that makes up for the lack of flings. Yeah. I th- <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I suppose, so. I mean, it, it, it does sound like you've been on a journey uh, from sort of working out. From self-loathing to a different... Different kind, kind of self-loathing. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, no, listen, in all seriousness, you have a healthy relationship. Yeah. Now yes, it is healthy. Is, yeah. Good. Good for me. <laughs> what a relief. Didn't, did not expect that outcome. But I really didn't expect that outcome. I didn't expect the outcome of having a relationship that was healthy and where the person was not deceived into being with me in any way. And it was also fun. Like, it's still very fun. Oh, God. I mean, which is, yeah, huge. God. Yeah. Otherwise, yeah, I don't, I don't know what would But happen. you do have to give yourself some credit for that. Oh, as, yeah, as I was well, also there. You? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> We got together towards the end of my time at university. Like we didn't, we knew each other a little bit for a couple of years before that. But the crush era was a couple of months before we got together, and um, I remember he he would I bumped into him in the street with his then girlfriend, and I complimented her on this big diamante hair clip she had, like a big shiny star on her head, and she said, "Oh, Martin doesn't think it's shiny enough." And I was like, "Who is, the, who is this guy?" <laughs> Oh my god, that's right? my favourite origin story yeah. ever. Martin doesn't think it's shiny enough. Yeah. He's like a kitten. He's like a magpie. It's just so wholesome. It's so wholesome. I have a lot of uh, parallel lives that I think about. Yes. Uh, and in most of them, I'm just in a really damaging on-off relationship with a stand-up comedian. Oh, no. Oh, you did escape that life, so I good for you. I did escape that, no. But I, th- I think there's just something in me that I'm fully aware. Like, it's weird having a daughter and, and sort of 
um, catastrophizing yeah. about what what the hell can happen because I don't believe that you know I can't give myself credit or all the credit for a, <laughs> a healthy relationship and whatever because it so much of it is about luck. Um, it is, and and about continuing luck that you want to be on the same. Roughly the same paths. Yeah. 10 years in or 20 years in. Or yeah, yeah, absolutely. God. I don't think it's unsuccessful when a relationship breaks up. There's just so many reasons that it might. I wouldn't recommend to anyone that you get together with someone at 21 as I did. No, that's you so young. With. I've been with him for half my life. I wouldn't... I'm astonished we got through our 20s. That's a very turbulent time. I remember being very jealous of people having the excitement of new relationships a few years in. But they also were just like, oh my God, they were doing dating from like, ads in Time Out at the time or uh, The Guardian The Guardian Soulmates, the original. Yeah. yeah. I don't think it was super fun for them either. I suppose everyone no. wants what they can't have. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, th- I feel like your 20s are supposed to be a mess. Um, yes. Yeah. But, but presumably you were still being a mess in other ways. <laughs> oh, yeah, career mess. But that <laughs> there you go. Until my mid-30s and sort of still carries on in a slightly less financially urgent way. <laughs> <laughs> How did it end with the three and a half year armpit hair guy? Um, it ended okay in that we... So he went to university in Durham while I was still in my hometown of Tunbridge Wells. And so there was a year where we were long distance. And then when I went to... When I was going to university, I was like, we should probably end it here. And he sort of agreed. And we were on good terms because we'd been friends for a few years before we got together. But then... So it ended fine... But then very shortly after, he got together with someone and married them. And that was oh. really painful. So like... Wow. Yeah, yeah, that was horrible. It feels like... So you were very monogamous in your in your crush. Yeah, I, well... On him. I, I mean, I did have these other things happening during the two years when we weren't together with the people that I didn't particularly care about. Yeah, um, exactly. That's what I mean. Yeah. So that is the, not... Yeah, because know. of my compartmentalisation. Yeah. Which actually, I, I stand by. I think I, I think I played all that quite well, where... <laughs> I did not have a problem with a fling meaning more to me than it did to them. Yeah. And hopefully vice versa. Although one of them who were, we were much better. I feel like we were very important friends to each other and very gross, disgusting, like sex friends with each other. Um, <laughs> but like I did a reading at his wedding, um, which was very weird because it was an extract from Bobby Fisher's <laughs> biography. And he was like, uh, I got to the wedding and he put it in my hands saying, can you do a reading? It says oh everything gosh. I want to say about teaching. And it's really for my uncle. And I'm like, okay. (laughs) Um, (laughs) None of this is romantic. (laughs) No. But this feels bad now to say. He was in a relationship with someone else on whom he cheated a lot. So when it was my turn, uh, I was like, I mean, this must be their their shtick, right? Um, Yeah. I don't know. I I know. You do believe that, don't you? I can't morally defend it. Because if that wasn't an arrangement that she had willingly entered into, then that's bad. But he was later, like years later, he was like, do you think if I hadn't been in that relationship, we would have got together? And I was like, no, absolutely not. <laughs> absolutely. We wouldn't have even had the fling, probably. You seem like you weren't the sort of person who told people that you had a crush no. on them. Ever. You've oh never done God. it. Well, I think in childhood, it, you had You to told keep... Inspector Morse. Yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't tell Inspector Morse. <laughs> you don't he tell him. fully wouldn't give a him. shit. Like, that's part of the appeal. He's like, don't trouble me with your real emotions. I can see what... him tearing up your letter. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> then going to the pub <laughs> on his own. Um, in my family, I felt like I had to keep any enthusiasms or loves extremely hidden because otherwise they could be used against me. But here's a, here's a weird thing. Um, my dad used to drive me to the bus stop to catch the school bus. 
and there was uh, always an older boy there who's like five years above me at school and we never spoke but my dad invented a name for him and like acted like he was my crush <laughs> he acted like he was my imaginary boyfriend I was like I, oh my god and it went on for years and I was like why are you doing this it's invented so a name awful. for him Duncan and then he'd be like how's Duncan how's Duncan as if to embarrass me but I was like I I am embarrassed, but... <laughs> yes, yes, the awful thing is it's yeah. still embarrassing. It's still embarrassing. Even but without the feelings. Even without the feelings. <laughs> Why? Was it just... Presumably the... just the opportunity to make your child Blush. feel terrible yeah. and seed uh, further dysfunction in them. <laughs> Did you ever find anything out about Duncan? No, something with zero interest. Yeah. He was about to leave the school because he was five years older than me whatever yeah and also just all of the older kids on the school bus that, nobody's that. ever no, nobody's ever older and cooler than that or more grown up no yeah. whereas now if i look at someone who's 16 I, or even when i was like 20 and seeing six formers go around i felt like their grandma yeah yeah although i feel like their grandma and like they're grown and up and cooled yeah. cool no yeah. I, you know like they're, they're they're also sort of beyond i don't yes. know like i flip back to yeah, my 10 year old yes yeah or the, <laughs> i easily. feel like being 13 14 is such a was such a difficult age because you're just on the precipice but you're really too young to participate in adult life but there it is kind of glittering just out of reach yeah i do think it's interesting now that people are much more open about talking about crushes and in a way that feels like it has this ironised admittance of degradation in it, where it's like, step on my neck or run me over. Yeah. Like, yeah. I, on Instagram, I follow um, crush quotes. Oh, or, wow. Crush memes. And they're just horrible. They're, I mean, most of the time, I'm just like, this is not what I want to be <laughs> drawing attention to. I, I'm really... Um, but it is. I do find it interesting that some people, lots of people really do want to talk about it they really do and some people it's honestly their worst nightmare they will mm. you know almost feel offended that I've asked them <laughs> you know it's going no I don't want to expose that whereas I feel yeah. like it's it's just very healthy yeah I think when you don't have a crush it can feel like you're missing a project almost yeah I think that's exactly how how I feel and I almost feel I don't know. Uh, and obviously, I have a creative life, so... Yes! Um, <laughs> so this is just for creative. you. It's, it's, it's supposed to be a project you don't monetize. <laughs> Quite. Um, I feel like I'm creating all the time in yeah. my head, but I feel like even if I didn't have that, or rather the whole boyfriend marriage, although I was never massive into marriage fantasies no because wedding fantasies just seemed no. like a dead end that was where the story stopped and actually yeah. I so love to see things that are about long relationships rather than just oh it's a disaster and they hate each other yes I want to see the opting in story yeah. I, I, I do think it is very romantic now when you got when you do have that when you have people who've been together like 20 plus years and yeah and not just because they're too lazy to to split their <laughs> possessions and it's too expensive to have two yeah, households to live separately where yeah. it's, it's still exciting but maybe it's just still the perception that you can't have intrigue in a plot if people are happy yeah that only the beginning of a relationship is happy and exciting but i do you feel like that's the media uh reiterating that idea all the time and i have a friend who is really scared she's she's 30 
I think, but I remember her saying in her 20s to me that she was really scared that all there was to look forward to was just things getting drab. Oh my God, I know. And I and I think it's, yeah, I think it's nonsense. But also I think that intrigue isn't necessarily something that you want in your life. No. <laughs> I mean, maybe no, some people not. do, but in my actual life, no. In, no. You know, in the art that I am imbibing, hmm. sure. Yeah, um, right. Exactly, when it's a safe distance from your yeah, reality. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the may you live in interesting times curse, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, and it's like, I don't want... The, I don't want the crushes to just activate every insecurity that I have. Yes. Why would... Yeah. Disaster. Yeah, exactly. I had a friend who... I'm feeling really pleased. He he mentioned my parents and he said they seem to still be having fun. Oh. And I was thinking, that is the nicest thing you can hear and also a really nice thing to aim for is sort of think no fun is important yes fun in my is life important. i can live without intrigue <laughs> yeah it's a real triumph yeah that that they have that i sort of feel like that as well but people who have really fulfilling seeming post-romantic relationships relationships with each other like i have friends who have really positive relationships with exes or really good co-parenting yeah and that, I guess, now is what is sort of what has replaced like romantic frissons for me as like. Yes. Winning. Oh my god, you're so right. And uh, what I love about that is there is there's a genuine who would have ever believed that that was possible. You know, yeah. in the the worst bits of people breaking up and whatever. Yeah. The the redemption that can be found later. Totally. Yeah. Nothing to do with romance. Yeah. And... But I guess you figure out a new way to be in each other's lives, and I do feel like you're. A slightly different person with every person you are with and then in the aftermath of them so figuring out who you are to each other and it's still being something that is uh, positive to your life it's beautiful yeah beautiful to me oh and i just had a real like surge in my tummy and that is a, it's a really <laughs> weird topic yeah. for me to feel thrilled by <laughs> yeah but the crush i have on now is <laughs> it's just things not being it's unhealthy yeah child support what yeah <laughs> Things not not being terminal after a breakup. <laughs> they took like a year out of each other's lives <coughs> and then rebuilt better. <laughs> and that's and that's what I call happily ever after. Oh my god, I'm such a plodder. What a disappointment. <laughs> it's fine. We we both are. I think we're really good representatives <laughs> of the, the plodding, the plodding. community. <laughs> All right, we should do. The very unploddy, exciting maths. Oh, yeah. So you are going to have to choose Mm -hmm. who your most, who your biggest crush is. (gasps) Do you want to do Inspector Moores? And he (laughs) will be Inspector (laughs) (laughs) That's his full name. It's really difficult to choose a new one. It's like when you, who's your favourite band? It's like, who was your favourite band when you were 15? Yeah, pick them. I I never listened to them now, but... That's but no, that's they burned faves. on my brain, yeah. If I pick Inspector Morse, I guess no one else will pick him. So, yeah, let's... <laughs> <laughs> that is real. Bloody community. Yeah, but I, I just, I mean, now it, it's it's like, you know, we'd had the unhealthy fling and we're not in each other's lives anymore. Yeah. There's, no, there's no scarring there, but it's done. Okay, you've written that story. It's that's complete. That's there, okay. <laughs> Am I doing his real name? No, Inspector. No, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I always called him Inspector. <laughs> oh yeah, no. Yeah. I mean, I suppose if you are going to have a fetish about, I actually never thought about that, but it feels like a violation to call him by his uh, given first name. I love 
yeah. Yeah. I also love Columbo and I love that when he's asked his first name, he says Lieutenant. (laughs) (laughs) I guess my type is TV detectives with no first names. (laughs) I don't like now that a lot of the detective stories have the detective's first name as the title. No, it's wrong. They shouldn't have first names. Can't cross on any of them. So some kind of numerology. uh, Yeah, Yeah, it's, um, it's proper science. I mean, do you know, yeah, someone else said, is it numerology? I don't think it is. It's it's even more nonsense than numerology. <laughs> well, that's a toughie. It's 94%. Oh. Wow. I'm, um, that is incredible. I think that is the highest we've ever had. <gasps> Destiny. <laughs> With a dead fictional character. <laughs> that's the safest crush to have. <laughs> yes, You're never well going to have to really uh, figure out how your lives together work because they're a dead fictional character. <laughs> Yeah, in all ways, yeah. you have won. Thank you. Thank you very much, Helen Salzman. Thanks, I feel very validated and healthy now. So that was the show. Thank you to brilliant Helen. Uh, as I say, do listen to The Allusionist. If you're looking for somewhere to start, there was an episode about the word fat, uh, two, a two-part episode, um, and it was just brilliant and gave me food for thought for days on end I'm still thinking about it um also the one about Eurovision they're all brilliant just just listen to them do yourself a favor they're incredibly clever and insightful and entertaining um thank you to Victoria and Lindsay at Mighty Bunny thank you to Audi thank you I mean the South sounds like I'm doing prayers at the end of the night uh mainly thank you so much to you for listening i'm really really grateful i really love doing it please do go ahead and like and subscribe and rate and review and vote for us in things um i am but a small ship on the waters of podcasting and uh i think it's really important that we all shout about what we like and who we like uh, and uh, you know I realise that's a weird thing to be saying when I'm saying if you like me tell people but you know what if you like me tell people thank you bye you've been listening to Crushed by Margaret Caborn smith hosted by Margaret Caborn-Smith and produced by Victoria Lloyd and Lindsay Fenner for Mighty Bunny Productions. If you can bear it, please like, subscribe, rate and give us a nice review as it helps me feel better about my life choices. Hi, my name is Kay Adams, and to be honest, I'm not so good with the ageing process, so I enlisted my old chum, the filter-free Cara McKenzie, to advise. Could you imagine being a porn star? The room would need to be really hot for me to strip (laughs) off. To be honest, she's not much help, but she is rather amusing. And along with some great guests, Joe Brand, Andy Oliver, Anton Dubeck, Ruth Langsford and Craig Revel Horwood, darling, we are learning how to be 60. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.